Hello and welcome to From Fear to Fire, Secrets to Overcome Fear, Embrace Your Gifts, and Achieve Success. This is the place where real people share real challenges, where you can find a common bond and uncommon wisdom through their journeys to help you move from fear to fire. I am Heather Hansen O'Neill and I am your host and I have another wonderful guest for you today. You're going to love her and if you enjoy this show please feel free to leave a review and share it with a friend. We do definitely appreciate that. Our quote today is by Joseph Campbell opportunities to find deeper powers within ourselves come when life seems most challenging. Today, our guest is Liz King Caruso, and she is an event specialist, consultant, and speaker who is passionate about impactful, successful, and fun events. Liz launched Liz King Events while still running events full-time for Columbia University and quickly became a thought leader and influencer amongst her peers after voraciously sharing content on event best practices. And I, I am telling you, I know firsthand she does a great job with this. Liz has been featured in successful meetings list of 25 most influential people in the meetings industry, Connect Magazine's list of 40 under 40 up and coming event planners, and meetings and conventions list of top influential female leaders in the events industry amongst other awards. There's a lot more to this. You can find out more about Liz in the show notes, but let's bring her on now. Hey, Liz, how are you today? Hello, I'm doing well. How are you? I'm fantastic. I'm super excited. You know, I spend a lot of time in this arena, in this industry as well. So I can't wait to hear from you. And I know our listeners are going to be uh, sitting on the edge of their seat here. Um, (laughs) Before I dive into any questions, can you just give us a little bit more of a backstory on where you come from? Sure. Um, You know, I'm one of those people who I like to say, you know, I live organically. So I like to dream for the future, but I, I would not attribute anything that I've done so far to some kind of master business plan or, you know, genius skill planning. I I like to just be open to the different possibilities and try to work as much as possible within the things that make me really happy. And through that, I found my career in the events industry. And, um, you know, as you said, I worked at Columbia and kind of left that to do my own business. We're going to celebrate 10 years this coming August. Congratulations. um, Thank you. It's it's a huge milestone for me. (laughs) That's awesome. So yeah, you know, I mean, I like to just if if you asked me 10 years ago what my business would look like, it wouldn't look anything like what I do today. But I'm really happy with where I am. And it's a very exciting path that I've been on. It's this is a fantastic combination, Liz, because as a planner, one would think that, you know, you're you're <laughs> into that long range plan, but I love that you're speaking my language about following the joy as well. And so I think that's what's very helpful and contributed to all the success that you've been having. So congratulations on your 10 years. That's fantastic. Um, Thank how, you. Did it, how did it feel to, to leave that full-time, secure position at the university? (laughs) Well, um, you know, again, I'm not, I'm a planner, right? But I'm not so much into the details or feeling like everything has to be completely lined up 
to do what I want to do. So when I left Columbia, although I had done my business for a little bit on the side, I had no clients. I had no, uh, you know, safety net of six months plus in the bank that you can just live off of. Um, I also was young and super flexible. My income was, you know, very flexible and my living expenses were pretty low. So yeah. I was pretty terrified. I, I look back sometimes at that, my calendar, those first few weeks, and it was just back to back meetings. I had no clients and I had no work lined up. I knew what I wanted to do and I had tested it through running the business for a while, but I was doing the business on the side because I had a full-time job. So it was never like I was like ramping up a huge client list and you know the dream I think that people think of if you wanna leave your full-time job and go run your business, you have robust clients lined up, tons of money sitting in the bank and that gives you the safety net to make such a jump. <laughs> I was definitely not that person. Um, and so it was really scary. And the only way I kind of overcame that was just putting my head to the grindstone. The one thing that I think can always I can always lean back on is my work ethic. I work really hard and very fast. My clients have called me a machine. <laughs> so I think that helped a lot, but I, I definitely was terrified. I thought it was definitely the move I wanted to make, but I didn't have the confidence to feel like I was, it was the right time or I was the right person. So it was a scary time. Well, I think all of the coolest things that we do come from not really fully being prepared. I mean, <laughs> do we ever get like now that you're you're a, a new mom, do you get a manual and like do you take a <laughs> test on being a mom? Like all of the things you marriage, you know, getting a home, starting a business, all of these things you're never quite fully prepared. And that whole fallacy of having like that cushy bank account. Yeah. I don't, I don't really know a lot of entrepreneurs that have that. <laughs> Me either. <laughs> so, yeah, it can be terrifying. It can be absolutely terrifying, but you had the confidence in yourself and that work ethic. And I think that is not only great for, for you to feel like, you know, you can do it, but your, your clients obviously knew that you would get it done too, right? Yes, yes that, is, that is very true. Yeah. So what were some of the things that contributed to your success in the beginning? And then how is it different or the same now 10 years later? Yeah, that's a great question. I actually think there's not too, too much that's different. Um, some of the things that really helped me early on one was my network. I had spent so much time just getting to know people in the industry, learning from them. And to this day, uh, a lot of those people tend to be the ones I go back to for advice. And they have been huge supporters all along the way. Uh, my mentor was a huge piece of that. I literally, I remember the first time I decided I wanted to take a client, I had already been working with my mentor thinking about setting up a business. And um you know, first client comes through that I thought like, ooh, this, okay, now I really want to do this. And she helped me write my first proposal and my first contract. And I remember bringing it to her with the first draft and she just laughed at me because my, <laughs> my numbers were so low. She's like, they're not even going to take you seriously because you're charging. And I felt like no one's ever going to hire me for $5,000 or whatever it was at the time. Yeah. And so then I remember sending my proposal to the client with my mentor's new updated numbers that I thought were just ridiculous and getting the easy yes and the check signed right away and just realizing how far off I was in my estimations of what was realistic. And that really opened the door for me. 
Um, and I think another huge thing has been social media. That has, from the very beginning, my my business actually was created from a Twitter account. Liz King Events was a Twitter account long before it was a business. And I was just connecting with people and sharing what I was learning and talking about what I was doing. And that's how I grew the network that I have. And still to this day, I mean, 10 years later, I think I get 90% or more of my business through people who I met in those early days with social media or over the last 10 years, or maybe just a recommendation from one of those people. But my social presence has driven the majority of my business until now. I've really not spent money on marketing. I've never cold pitched a client, which is a skill I think I need to learn, but <laughs> thank goodness. Apparently I- not. <laughs> Well, I haven't needed to do, well, I haven't done it yet. I'm sure, you know, it would have been nice to be doing that this whole time as well as the business coming more organically. But I mean, my network through social media and just general networking has really fueled the last 10 years. And I couldn't be more grateful for that. That's fantastic. Now, this is leading me to a couple of different questions. So I'm going to try to narrow down my focus here. The first one is I had a mentor as well that helped encourage me to start my business. And I found it to be, it was life changing. And so I now try to mentor other people. And I'm sure you do that same thing. So what if you if someone out there listening is either looking for a mentor or to be a mentor, do you have any suggestions for them? Yes, I think mentorship is so important. So I I found my mentor through SCORE, which is um, a great organization. I think it's SCORE.org. You can mm-hmm. kind of go in, talk about what it is that you're looking for mentorship, what area you're looking for, and they match you with a professional who has already volunteered. So if you are someone who's looking for a mentor or you want to be one, that is a great resource on both sides. Um, But I've also learned over the years, as I have become mentors to other people and um, vice versa, that there's just the power of research. I think you just need to look up the people who are really, if you're looking for a mentor, look up the companies that are really inspiring to you, the people whose journeys you really want to emulate and contact them directly. I mean, I think people, what I've learned is that people are so giving And a lot of times it's just a matter of asking and, Mm -hmm. you know, so many people are willing to work with you. And on the other side of things, if you want to be a mentor, um, you know, I have found that just sharing your knowledge as widely as possible through social media, kind of putting yourself out there in whatever format, all of those things really help um, to just open yourself up. And, And again, it's the same. Asking doesn't hurt. If you find someone who you think you could help reach out and say, I would love to be a mentor to you. What do you think about that? And, and kind of create those relationships. But I think that mentor mentee relationship is so critical because, Mm -hmm. and it goes both ways. I remember my mentor always telling me that she learned so much from me about technology because it just was an area she didn't have as much experience with. And so after the first few sessions, our meetups became more of a collaborative learning session. I was learning from her. She was learning from me. And those were the best situations because I think they were helpful for both of us. And so we both walked away with some benefit. It wasn't like one was doing a service only for the other person. That's fantastic. I agree. I find that 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 reciprocal nature of it is what that where the beauty comes from. And I'll make sure to put the link for SCORE in the show notes as well, because I think that's a great resource. Thank you for that. Sure. 
Now, I'm certain that some people out there, myself included, would love a few tips on how you get 90% of your business coming from your online presence. Do you have any suggestions for people who want to kind of ramp that up a little bit? Yes. Yeah, so I think the biggest thing I learned, and I, I, again, kind of found this out organically, is it's not about the push and it's not about the marketing angle. And I think that's where people naturally go. It's like, oh, I want to generate more business from social media. I'm going to start direct messaging people. I'm going to start you know, massively increasing my connections and my follows. And I'm going to, you know, create these campaigns to put them through funnels. People don't like to be put through funnels. They know when you're doing it. And I just find that not that they don't work, but they don't really work for this in the same way that I've had the success with it. What I have found is, you know, when I started my business, again, I had already been doing social. And so I had been talking to people. I had been learning and sharing things that I was learning and and that I think is the key is about, you know, first of all, showcasing what you know and using platforms like your blog, things that you own that you can contribute more than just, you know, 140 characters or an image on Instagram with a, a little quote. You need to be showing your thought leadership from a much broader standpoint. And, and blogs are a great way to do that, to have two or three paragraphs showcasing your voice, your knowledge, your expertise, people need to hear that and they need to know that you know what you're talking about. That goes beyond just beautiful pictures that you share on the internet. Um, so that's part of it. And then part of it, I think, is the connections, meaningfully connecting with people. As I mentioned, when I left my job, really the only thing I did was back-to-back 30-minute meetings with like, hey, you know, what are you doing? How can I learn from you? What can I do to help? It was never really promoting what I was doing. But of Mm -hmm. course, I would share, I just left my job. I'm so excited. I'm using this time to just connect with as many people in the industry. And through that, I got a lot of um, introductions. And, you know, you just stay top of mind. Um, So I think that's another huge key. Mm -hmm. And then there's the journey piece, which is that, you know, everyone wants to be perceived as an expert, a famous person. You know, we all want to look amazing. And people spend a lot of time, like, perfecting their logos and, and making everything look gorgeous. But I think actually that people really like to see the journey and they like to see that you make mistakes. They like to see how you grow over time. A lot of the people who invest in my brand now through the coaching or consulting or through hiring us as an event company, they have been following me for 10 years now. And so they feel so much more connected than people who just kind of like search for someone on Google and hire you. Those are the people who spend their money time and time again and where you're not selling yourself. You're not out there hard pitching. You, When they come to you, they already know they want to work with you. It's just a matter of timing and budget and defining those little parameters. But um, a lot of that is in the journey. And so I tell people you need to share not just your business expertise, but you need to share your personal life. You need to share the fact that I love Starbucks, the fact that I have a baby. You know, like there's all these touch points that are more personal. And those are the things that make people feel emotionally connected to you. And then you share your expertise as a part of that on an ongoing basis through the different things that you're doing. And then you admit when you fail, you show, you be transparent, you show the challenges that you're having and think kind of the combination of all of that. It's like people then like you, they know, you know what you're talking about and they trust you. 
And those things are so important. Those no like, and trust. I'm sure you've heard of those before. Those three components are so important when someone is going to put their money down. And those three things are uniquely easy to do on social media. They're very hard to do on a blurb on your website or a cold pitch to a client. Those things happen on social media, hence why it's called social, you know? Right, right. I mean, this is fantastic. I am a huge proponent of being transparent and sharing the journey. I absolutely love that. And it and it comes from the consistency in your connections on social media, I think, because if you just put something out there and then go MIA for a while and then show up a little bit later when you're looking to do something else. Do you, do you agree? I mean, is there some consistency to, do you have a, a plan on how you do it? It's absolutely consistency. You have to think of it like any relationship. You know, if, if you were dating someone and they came and like took you out on a date and then they didn't show up for a few weeks and they swung by when they needed something to promote something they were working on. Yeah. That doesn't come across as very meaningful. And so, yes, I think it's about consistency. I really try to stay away from systems though, because I think it naturally feels forced. If Mm. I, you know, remind myself I have to follow up with Heather because it's been two weeks and, you know, poor girl doesn't, she hasn't heard from me. (laughs) That doesn't come across very nice. And then you're, it's like contrived. I'm like trying to come up with something to say to you. And so um, what I think are two different things. One is you just have to be as consistent as possible following up regularly. Just make that a part of your life that every day you might follow up with two people who you haven't connected with in a while. And that's a direct connection. And that's more um, organic. It's whoever kind of comes to your mind at that time. And then the other piece is the social piece. If you're out there sharing your life and you're putting things out about work that you're doing and personal things you're doing, those are touch points with everyone in your network. They're not direct touch points, but they're keeping you top of mind and they're letting people continue to feel that know, like, and trust that we talked about. And so I think um, that's just as critical is being consistent with public posts as much as you are with kind of the the more personal stuff because I think all of it contributes and so yeah I don't really have like a great system in place for reminding me of you know I don't use a great client relationship management system or anything like that but it's the consistent action and so even if it's not being returned even if the other people are not sharing as publicly I can't tell you how many times I've been to an event and people know every detail about my life and I'm like (laughs) I haven't heard from you in two years I don't know what you're doing (laughs) you know but it works for me in terms of them knowing who I am and what I'm up to and what the new product is that I'm pushing and you know all of that happens without me having to direct sell or directly follow up with anybody I love that. This is all fantastic. Uh, I'm going to take a little shift for a moment because the, you know, as the title of my my podcast is From Fear to Fire, I want to ask you, is there a moment in all of this in the last 10 years or even before that in another a phase of your life that you felt like you learned a lot from a specific challenging time or fear or something that didn't feel so great in the moment, but something that you felt like, wow, I learned a lot from when you look back at it. Well, I would like to say there's one time, but I'm sure there are many, many, many times <laughs> I felt that way. You know, life is the ups and downs and you feel those challenges and then it pushes you to the next level. Certainly leaving my job at Columbia was 
a moment like that where I just I had made that decision. Then when the day came, I was like, oh, my gosh, what was I thinking? I don't have all this money (laughs) saved up and I don't have any clients. So that was a very challenging period of my life. Um, But also more recently, something that comes to mind is, you know, my husband and I got married about uh, three years ago. And we knew right away we wanted to have kids. That was like top of our priority. And that started really causing me to rethink my business model. Because as you know, events are very hands on deck, (laughs) Mm -hmm. long hours, super stressful. And I was very busy with events. And we were working with clients where we were traveling all over the place. And it was was pretty intense. And so I really had to kind of step back and think about what that would be like. And at the same time, having a baby didn't happen as fast for us as we, you know, as some people and as we imagined. And so personally, that was a really challenging time for me to be going through. Looking back, it's almost like, thank God it took us a while because it took me a really long time to rethink my business. And so we, I launched um, consulting and more of a coaching program. I was able to rethink my, my true ideal clients and really focus in on less clients who really, I love working with them. I can get very deep in their organizations. We can make a huge impact. And so I'm doing less events per year and making a bigger impact. And then I have revenue from all these other sources, like the public speaking and the consulting and things like that, where I'm able to kind of transition and be home more, but still do what I love and still make the kind of revenue that I wanted to make. And that process took a lot longer than I would have thought when I first got married and said like, okay, let's change things up. And so looking back, it was kind of lucky that it happened to me that way. I was able to, you know, have a baby and not have to compromise, you know, losing revenue for X number of months because I didn't have a solid plan in place. And then, you know, fast forwarding um, to this whole coronavirus craziness, um, we just were very blessed because I happened to be in a position where I didn't have tons of events per year. So we didn't have tons of cancellations. My revenue, again, was mostly driven by coaching, consulting, public speaking, that kind of stuff. And so I, my events business was not impacted as harshly as many others in our industry because I had spent three years ago, I started reorganizing my business. Of course, never understanding that live events would be canceled for the, you know, who knows how long. Right. Um, who would have been able to project that one? Right. right. But that challenging time, which was to some extent, I understood what I was doing and I had a plan. It ended up also impacting me in other better ways, which again, I couldn't have ever predicted. You know, you said something that I absolutely love when I hear my clients say it. And that is, you know, I, as I look back now, I realize <laughs> what a benefit that was. And they could be talking about losing a job or how something took longer mm-hmm. or how they fell down and, and failed at something, but then they learned this great lesson. To me, that's like so much fun to be able to to see the light bulb go on over their head and realize that everything happens for a reason and that, you you know, it's the growth that comes from that challenge that creates who you are and for you, the business that you needed to make the things and the lifestyle that you want. So that's a great, that's a great one. Thank you for that. Now I have a bizarre question for you because (laughs) I heard that you do events to educate your competition. Um, Can you tell me a little bit more about that? 
Sure. I am um, someone who likes to create things I wish I had. So about really when I was starting all of this, so maybe about eight years ago, I launched an event called Taxi Talk, which was an educational platform for other event planners to learn about technology. And it was a format that it was basically, I wanted to learn more about technology and how it impacts the events industry. And I had a certain format in mind and I was looking around, I didn't see it. So I launched it myself and we did it for 10 events before um, finally kind of sunsetting that. And now I'm doing another event called the Pivot Virtual Summit, which is all about educating the events industry on what does the industry look like now that we've had, basically it's collapsed on itself in the past few yeah. weeks. And so I have had many people tell me, you know, that's the dumbest thing you can do. Why would you be telling your competitors, other event planners, how to do what you already do technology better or how to run your business more efficiently? It doesn't make any sense. You could be doing the same kind of education for different markets. But I'm I'm such a believer in, you know, that that phrase, a rising tide floats all the boats. We all are better when our industry does better. And I have had the same frustration that many independent event planners have had, which is that this is an industry with a very low barrier to entry, which is great and horrible at the same time. It's great because people like me could start a business with a Twitter account and not that much experience. And I could learn as I go and I could do the right things and make a successful business. It's not great because we don't get a great reputation because there are a lot of people who don't take this professionally seriously and build a business that becomes long-term successful. They kind of do it as a hobby. They don't worry about things like risk. I'm sure you've heard about many high profile events that don't look great for our industry. And those are especially happening right now when we're not supposed to be doing live events. And yet, you know, XYZ company decides they know the answers and (laughs) they kind of make us all look bad. And Mm -hmm. so I really believe that education is an accessible education. That's the other piece of it is something that it doesn't hurt any of us. We can all learn, we can all become better. And I hope that it helps our industry to evolve a little bit. Um, I don't think we're going to necessarily solve that problem, but I I just feel like it's important to do, even though, yes, I'm sure it sounds crazy. (laughs) No, you know what? I say that the way that I said it, but it does not sound crazy to me because I believe uh, that it's an abundant world. I work a lot with other speakers and I refer Mm -hmm. other speakers all day long and I learn from other speakers. And um, I believe that when you have that mentality, it's like karma, right? It comes back to you, but that's not the reason why we do it. Like I, I like, I believe you are, I'm super passionate about the event industry. And so I can tell that you are as well. I can hear it in your voice. I can see it in the things you put out there into the world. And I think that's what we need right now more than ever before. But we need, you know, passionate people to come together and and make some changes, right? And so mm-hmm. I want to take this moment right now to be able to have you share I'm thrilled to be a, a part of the, the Pivot Virtual Summit that you're putting on and to share a little bit about that and about how people can reach you, because I'm certain there are going to be people listening that want to know how to find you. Sure. I would love to connect with anyone who's listening and hear about your journeys as well, because I think we, you know, as I've been saying, we all have so much to learn from each other. I am at Liz King Events on pretty much every social platform. 
except for uh, TikTok. I'm not a big fan of TikTok. <laughs> but I'm out there on, you know, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, all the popular ones. And I would be happy to connect. And so excited to have you as part of the Pivot Virtual Summit, which is something I kind of put together in the last few weeks when, you know, COVID-19 hit our industry really hard. I think a lot of people in the events industry were looking around and saying, what does this mean? Are we out of a job? You know, when are events coming back? And the truth is, I don't think we have answers to that. I think we're getting a little bit of clarity the further along we go. But I wanted to put together this virtual summit that's free to attend for anyone, but it's really designed for the events industry to talk about what 35 plus experts think about their various areas. And so we have their kind of main categories. One is future predicting. So from different sectors of the industry, we have a special uh, person who's going to talk on special events, a person talking on fundraising, corporate events, um, meetings. What are we seeing in the industry right now? What are people doing? And how do we envision this is going to change? What is it going to look like in the next three months, six months and beyond? So more of that prediction. We also have some great sessions on just skills based. If you want to take um, the skills that you have and do something with them right now to generate revenue or to, um, you know, better impact your clients and, and continue being a service to them. What are some things you can do? And so we're going to talk about future ready skills for meetings. We're going to talk about taking events from live events to virtual, how to, you know, we're going to have um, a session on safe meetings and some of the things that are being put out that we need to know about to get back to what we do in a, a good way, you know, the way that we should do things. Um, and then we also are the third kind of category of content is uh, the pivot side of things, showing how really great smart businesses have already taken what they do and started to pivot it. And so we have a few, I think, really cool success stories that I hope will be inspiring to people. So it's two full weeks of content from June 1st to the 12th, Monday through Friday from noon to 2 p.m. Eastern. Um, I know with a virtual event, Nobody can sit through, you know, 35 back-to-back -back sessions in two no. to three days straight. <laughs> so kind of spreading them out. And uh, I'm really excited. We have over 700 people registered now. We still have a week to go before things kick off. So um, I think it's going to be fantastic. really exciting time. Your, your lineup is amazing. And so I'll make sure to have uh, a link for that in our show notes as well. So people can check it out and see what you're doing and, and all the people that you've brought together, the experts who um, are going to provide some great content. Uh, and I'll also put the link to your site as well for everyone. So unbelievably, we have come to 30 minutes already. So would you be able to share your your best tip, your final parting words of wisdom for our audience today? Sure. You know, I think now is a better time than ever. I started my company also in the 2008 economic downturn. <laughs> it was yeah. pretty, pretty rough times. That's when I started my Twitter account, at least. And um, I think now is a great time to reinvent yourself, to try something that seems really scary. And maybe you have a little bit of downtime because you're in between jobs or, you know, you're in the events industry and things have really slowed down and you have a little bit of extra time to think through what you really want to do. And again, back to the beginning of the conversation to think about what brings you joy and what makes you happy. And the power of the internet and social media has made it so that you can really be 
wildly successful doing something that makes you so happy. And so this is a good time to explore what that would be and to try new things. And I think if you can do that, you will find that you'll look back at this challenge, this challenging time of your life and realize how great it was for setting you on the path towards a much happier future. And so I hope that you'll take that time now to do those fearful things that lead you to the fire. Ah, oh, what a beautiful, I wish I'm going to have to pay you for that ending. <laughs> that was fabulous. <laughs> I had to work in the name there. Somehow. Yeah, I loved it. <laughs> Liz, you have been amazing. This content and your tips have been fantastic. I encourage everybody to check you out, check out the Pivot Virtual Summit. And thank you so much once again for your time and wisdom today. Thank you. It was a pleasure. <laughs>